neither the time nor the space, a podcast about Doctor Who. As ever, I am David and I am joined by the erudite Matt. Just going to take issue, you've just said, welcome to an episode. This is a special episode. This is, this is not just any episode, this is our series one wrap up. And I think I'm right in saying, if we stick to our release schedule, it may also be our Christmas special. Yeah, I guess it will be, yeah. So... It's a shame we didn't time it slightly better because, of course, the next regular episode will be an actual <laughs> Christmas, Christmas special. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, if it is, Merry Christmas to one and all. Yeah. Um, God blesses everyone, all of that rot. Yeah. So, yeah. As said by Charles Dickens. In episode three, <laughs> The Unquiet Dead, which go. later on you will discover exactly where I place that in my series one rankings because okay. that's one of the things we're going to be doing in this episode. Yeah. Um, but before we get to the rankings, uh, what I wanted to do was have a bit more of a free-form discussion with you, uh, Matt, about how this experience has been so far. Um, now you've got a whole series under your belt, so, it, yeah. It began painful mm-hmm. and unenjoyable. Yeah. Then it got good for a bit. Then it got really bad for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> then it got really, really bad for a bit. Yeah. And then the ending was good. Yeah. Uh, on I think, on the whole, now that I've gone through the series finale, which I did really enjoy, yeah, I sort of view the entire series with rose-tinted glasses. Mm-hmm. You know, we said at the end of last episode that I have a real fondness for Eccleston's Doctor, and I really do. Yeah. And now we've come out the other side, I'm a little bit sad yeah. that... That journey with Eccleston's Doctor is over. I'm it's so brief. A, yeah. I'm excited for a new Doctor and yeah. where we're going with that. Yeah. But Welcome to the life of a Doctor Who fan. Where I it's am just not this... a Doctor Who fan. <laughs> you preempted one of my questions. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so, so I've got a few questions that I did specifically okay. wanted to ask you. So um, the first one was, um, as a British man... You can't help but have certain preconceived notions about Doctor Who. It's it's yeah. kind of it's just there in the ether. Um, it's part of our culture. So, in what ways did the show meet your expectations? In what ways did it kind of subvert your expectations? Uh, I think the big change in my viewpoint, yeah, was I'd always viewed it as a bit of a rubbish sci-fi program, right? But Upon reflection, I don't know whether it was ever trying to be a really good sci-fi program. It's the sci-fi element is just one of many facets. Absolutely, yeah. You know, at times it this. I mean, it's always there, but some of the big plot points don't really have much to do with sci-fi. No, it's not trying to be Star Trek or Star yes. Wars uh, yeah. or something like that. It's not trying to do space opera. Mm. On that scale, um, the science fiction element is really in, in many episodes. It begins and ends with the TARDIS itself. It's yeah, it, you it's know. just we we need a reason to be in this location. We have a time traveling spaceship. Yeah, and that gives them the the, the wherewithal to tell any kind yeah. of story they like. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. Um, so in, were there any ways in which it kind of you had preconceived notions and and. It was exactly that. Were there any aspects of it where you're just like, this is exactly what I ex- yeah. expected? With, with maybe the weaker episodes, yeah. I was just... <laughs> so, when it's good, it's really, really good. Yeah. And when it's not, it's not. 
Yeah, it, it can be properly naff at times. When it's yeah. really poor. Yeah. That's what I was expecting. Yeah. You know, I, I know we're going to rank the episodes, but I think probably the weakest one for me is maybe Boomtown. I don't mm. know if it would be my last one. It would certainly be in the weaker one. Yeah. And there's just parts where you, you commented, you know, the farty aliens. And in yeah. the first episode, I, I didn't really mind that. Yeah. Um, in the first Slovene story. So. Yeah, yeah. But just Boomtown just was a bit of a nothing for it me. Was, it, was, it was a farting alien too far. Yeah, and <laughs> it was just like, you know, we talked about the magic surfboard. <laughs> I was just like, what is this shit? So if you could put your finger on it, what would you say is the strongest element of the show and conversely the weakest strongest is I don't want to say the relationship between the characters because the relationship between some of the characters are a bit rubbish. Yeah. But the bond certainly between Rose and the Doctor, I know at the beginning you sort of told me that was the strong point and yeah. I grew to love that yeah. more. And the bond between say the Doctor and the other Time Lords, the bond between him and the Daleks. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning, all of that time war. Yeah, uh, and I think going into this, I was I worried that the series would just be a pure continuation of the old series. There'd be assumptions I would know things that I didn't. Yeah. Whereas actually, the more it's explained, yeah, the better it gets. Yes. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. At the beginning, I was just like, oh, the Doctor doesn't like Daleks because they're the bad guys. But then once you acknowledge there was this huge war. Mm-hmm. And they're not just you know bad guy, good guy. Yeah, then it's more complex. It becomes than that. more interesting. Yeah. And in terms of weak points, not necessarily the secondary characters. So, because mm. like that in that I would I when you say secondary characters, I would put I would put in that category Jackie, Mickey, Jack. Yeah, um, but I, I think even a layer below that, yes. so let me just flick through my notes. <laughs> For example, Nancy, from yeah. the episode with the empty child. Yeah. Rosie's dad, from the episode. Yeah, so, so you're sort of one and done supporting characters. Yeah, with yeah. the exception of Adam, because he's yeah. a prick. Yeah. But I think they're really good. Yes. But then the level below that, background characters, yeah. are just not great. Yeah, you know, we've talked about when there was just a Chinese woman in Jackie's flat for oh, yeah. no reason. <laughs> yeah. The horrible Cockney family, yeah. and the empty child, yeah. You know, the showrunner man, yeah. They the can they can be we... not even one dimensional, but sometimes no dimensional, yeah. Because they are and, just there to serve a function for that particular plot, and, and yeah. I, I suppose I'm probably guilty from being starstruck because every time it's a character I recognise. So when we yeah. had Simon Pegg. Yeah. Tamsin Grieg. Yeah. Um, Patterson jo- Joseph. Yeah. yeah. Johnson from Peep Show. Yeah. I always thought they were great. Yeah. But when it was just like some guy, it's <laughs> like, yeah. But I think that to be fair, that there are reasons that you recognise those actors and you don't maybe recognise the actors of those yeah. other ones. Yeah. So, so I think a lot of it is, you see, I would say, if I, to answer my own question, I think the weakest element of Doctor Who is also its strongest element. And that is the variability. The fact that it can go anywhere, do anything, tell any kind of story, 
that can be its biggest strength. Like it's the thing that draws me to the show more than any yeah. other. Um, but having said that, that also makes it extremely difficult sometimes because they're trying to tell a satisfying story in forty-five minutes with char- uh, where you know at best two or three. And- of the main characters and everybody else is new that you have to introduce in that one episode. And I think one thing I found quite infuriating yeah. is because of that constant cycle and shifting of yeah. characters. Yeah. Every so often there would be a plot point I thought was really interesting yeah. that just got brushed over. Yeah. You know, Freedom 13. The Freedom 13. Yeah. I want to know more about them. If yeah. they're the great heroes of their time, Yeah. why... Are we focusing on people that work in an office, in a journalism, <laughs> television centre? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, I just uh, think obviously it's good world building and yeah. what have you, but just show me a little bit more. I yeah. want to know about Rodrigo and his vehicle <laughs> recovery. You know, who was Wilson? Yeah. Was he really a CEO? Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I, it's a fair point, and I think it's just something. It's it's a problem that is unique to Doctor Who. Yeah, because how much weight did Trisha Delaney lose? We'll never find out. No. We don't even get to see a photo. I bet she was as big as a house. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think that it's a uniquely Doctor Who problem. Yeah. But um, I will accept it for the sake of, being a, of having a show where we can be witnessing the, the, the heat death of the end of the world one episode and palling around with Charles Dickens in Cardiff the next. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked about it in the last episode that there are so many scattergun plot threads. Yeah. And the thing I liked about the final episode is it did tie them up. Yeah. But there are still a few frayed edges. I'd be interested to see uh-huh. what was going on there. Well, kind of t- moving on from that then, so how did you find the show balanced the, the sort of competing genres that you have at play, you know, the sci-fi fantasy, historical drama, everyday soap type drama. I think I preferred the adventures in space more than the adventures in time. Mm. Apart from The Empty Child, yeah. which, although it was an adventure in time, I liked the sci-fi element. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, well, that that kind of kind of kept the whole story. Yeah, uh, together really, and and generally speaking, it's rare that you'll get an episode of Doctor Who in this day and age where the episode is whether where it's historical and there's no sci-fi element to oh, it. Absolutely. There's usually an alien or uh, yeah, something if you go in back the mix. in time, yeah, then you've just yeah. gone back in time, and yeah. that could be anything. It would yeah. be Doctor yeah. Who. Yeah, having said that, in, if you go back to the very early days of Doctor Who, they did do what are known as pure historicals, where really the only science fiction element is the fact that you've got a time travel machine and you've got travellers from the future in whatever historical period they're in, but, but the story itself contains no other science fiction elements. They have never really done that. The lo- A regular feature of the first Doctor's era, mm-hmm. then it kind of died off for a long while, um... There was one two-episode story in the fifth Doctor's era called Black Orchid. And in the main TV show, there has never been a pure historical since. Right. I'm keeping my fingers crossed because at time of recording, uh, on series 11, we've just had um, 
Kablam. And so the next episode is The Witchfinders. There is a chance maybe this will be the first pure historical. I was going to say, the new series seems pretty historical. There have been a few. controversy about the Rosa Parks. There was a Rosa Parks episode, um, a uh, a little... Episode before last, it was set during the uh, India-Pakistani partition yeah. uh, in the wake of the Second World War. They have been doing historical stuff, um, but we haven't yet had a pure historical yeah. with either of those. So, um, But personally, I think this might be an area where I don't know whether you'll grow to enjoy the historical episodes a bit more as the series goes on. For me, it's one of the big appeals of the show. I love that it's a show where um, I can have a bit of historical drama one week and a bit of crazy science fiction the next. And and sometimes, you know, both happening simultaneously. Um, yeah, it's one of the things that I just love about Doctor Who. So, um, but yeah... And, and but beyond beyond just that that sort of dichotomy, you've also got the fact that it does kind of veer almost into fantasy. I would classify it not really as a science fiction, but as a science fantasy show. Yeah. Because, I mean, you look at how the TARDIS itself works; it's essentially magic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a spaceship that's alive uh-huh. when it needs to be. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Works perfectly when it needs to, doesn't work at all when it needs to, whatever's convenient to the plot. Yeah. It's a magic box. It is it is just a doorway to elsewhere. And when when writers lean into that mis, almost mystical quality to, to it, I always actually rather like that. Cuz I I think Doctor Who does fantasy quite well. Like I wouldn't want it to be fantasy in in the sort of traditional sword and sorcery sense i wouldn't like it if you know the doctor was meeting honest to goodness wizards yeah but he himself essentially is a is, space a, is a space wizard. wizard yeah so let's uh let's dig into some of the performances so billy piper you started out skeptical i think it's fair to say yeah. billy piper she she develops and grows as the series goes on. Definitely. She goes from being pretty much the worst bit to <laughs> one of the better bits. And to what extent do you think is that um, her getting more comfortable as an actress versus the writers maybe no, giving her more to do? Her. The writers yeah. are absolute numpties. We've established that. <laughs> We're not giving them any credit. Yeah, uh, it's definitely Billy Piper. Yeah. Well, good good honour then. For yeah. I mean, I do think she She's definitely, definitely does. changed my perception. She gets a yeah. lot better. In the same way, if we talk about Jackie, at yeah. first, she's a real useless character. But actually, it's a real good performance of a useless character. Yeah, definitely. It's easy to think, I dislike Jackie. Yeah. But actually, you dislike the character Jackie, yeah. who's been played in a very dislikable way. Yeah. Uh, d- dislikable, but, but I think... Not dislikable. Yeah. You know, quite. Oh, a... great! She's grating. Absolutely, yes. you wouldn't yeah. want to spend a lot of time with Jackie. But by the same token, I think you wouldn't. It'd be hard to feel like genuine malice towards yeah, Jackie because she's essentially harmless. She represents the life Rose could have had, mm. and it needs to intentionally be negative. Yeah, if that yeah. makes sense. She needs to. Be, she needs to represent all that drabness that Rose fears and, and yes. wants to run away yeah. from. Yeah, yeah, and especially once we learn that through the episode Father's Day. She actually had a bit of a rough time. Yeah. So she probably has pretty good reason for being 
quite a hardened character. Yeah, I think absolutely. I, I, I mean, and, you know, the fact that she's missing for she's year. never settled down with anyone else. She's never really gotten over losing Pete, and yeah, she's had to you know raise Rose single handedly on. It's. I think it would be fair to assume not a lot of income. So yeah, I think she's had a tough life, really, Jackie, um, and she just makes the best of it. But by the same token, that's left her very rooted and unable to understand why Rose would want to yes. leave that behind, yeah. I think, um, because she's so accustomed to it. Yeah. In terms of other characters, the Doctor. Yes. Eccleston's just good, isn't he? He's he is. great. I mean, I, I, I do sometimes say, when talking about casting the Doctor, it's hard cast a good actor... With a bit of charisma, and yeah. that's ninety percent of the battle won. You know, and because I think, I think they we, can bring themselves to it. We talked about in the first episode when the relaunch was announced. Yeah, and I think you said it was people like Eddie Izzard, Alan Davies. Yeah, that's what the tabloids were speculating and, about. And yeah, he he was the right man for the job. Yeah, yeah, someone with just that bit of gravitas, yeah. um, who wasn't going to just treat it as a comedy performance, but was actually going to give it some weight. And some nuance, and God, yeah, he really was good. He was the right choice. Yeah. Um, and it breaks my heart that we only get one season with him. Does he ever reappear? I know there was specials where past doctors meet future doctors. Yeah. Is this it for Eccleston? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, and uh, and we might as well talk about it. Basically, he left on fairly sour terms. Hmm. and it's really sad the BBC were hoping to have him for a few years Um, and it was some behind the scenes issues specifically from what I understand with Russell T Davis? no not at all because he worked with him previously on on other productions and that's actually kind of why RTD wanted to to cast him for this part Um, it was one of the directors in the first directing block who was pushing the crew too hard, treating uh, especially the lower uh, paid members of the crew really poorly um, and creating a very unpleasant atmosphere on set, which Eccleston was not at all happy with and when he complained about it, wasn't necessarily listened to or taken as seriously as he felt he should have, which meant that when it came to renewing his contract, he made the decision not to. And that's kind of what it boils down to. And because he left with that on that sour note, though he has been asked to return for specials and things like that, um, and also Big Finish, the the audio company yeah. that do their independent uh, plays, no one has yet managed to crack that nut. Right? Is he resentful of Doctor Who? No. No, and, and, and I think he has actually been warming to it because this year was the first year that he actually he did his first ever uh, convention okay, um, and actually signed autographs. And I think that experience I can actually see in this. Uh, I've seen a couple of little interviews with him subsequent to that. And you can see that I think the, that the hard shell has begun to soften a bit. Yeah. Um, and I think eventually we may get at the very least a few audio plays. I, I, I mean, maybe that's just the optimist in me. Um, but I feel, having said all that, as much as I loved his performance and loved what he did with it and wish we had more, also part of me has to acknowledge the fact that I think 
the show as a whole benefits from him only lasting this one yeah. series. Because what it does is it plants nice and early the idea of regeneration. And it saves audiences from getting too comfortable mm-hmm. with one actor as the Doctor. If he had stayed for three or four years and had become the face of Doctor Who, I think there would have been a lot more nervousness around casting someone so, else. In a similar way to killing Sean Bean at the first series of Game of Thrones. Yeah. This is what's going to happen. Yeah. With it. it. Yeah, it wrong-foots you. It, 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 it throws you into this new reality where this character you've grown to love over the course of 13 episodes has now fundamentally changed. Yeah. Both inside and out. He will not be quite the same person that he was. Um, and that's exciting um, and intriguing, but also hard. I mean, it's always... And I will be honest, as a Doctor Who fan, it never really gets easier. Right. It never gets easier, that adjustment period. I'm only now, we're, what, seven episodes into the, the Jodie Whittaker's first series? I'm only now really getting fully comfortable with her as the Doctor. So... Is that because you're a misogynist? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I despise mm-hmm. all women. Um, Should we just so... end the episode there? <laughs> <laughs> Should we just cold cut that? Yeah, why not? Why not? I've got one question left for you. Go on. Do you like Doctor Who? Let me think. <laughs> this is going to be the most awkward silence. <laughs> I think, you know, I can bear it. <laughs> I can tolerate it. You see that there are good elements in it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's entirely won me over. Okay, that's okay. fine. I can't say I'm dreading continuing to watch the show. Uh-huh. But... You, if we weren't doing it for a podcast, would you be continuing it? Yeah, well, you know, we've been friends for over five years. Yeah. You've been telling me to watch Doctor Who for nearly five years. Yep. Prior to this, <laughs> it didn't happen. No. I watched it about three yeah. months ago to yeah. start. If you were hit by a bus tomorrow, <laughs> I would not continue watching Doctor Who. <laughs> I, I would just make my peace with it and just go, you know what? That was mine and David's thing. Uh, I'll put that to bed now. Well, I mean, I guess I'm weirdly flattered by that, but um, <laughs> I mean, if you really wanted to honour my memory, you would watch every episode of Doctor yeah. Who, both the new series and, of course, the classic series, including... Um, the audio-only reconstructions <laughs> of the 97 missing episodes. I, I probably tell people the wound's still too raw and I just couldn't <laughs> face it without you. And then, you know, bang Netflix on. <laughs> Watch The Office for the eighth time in that year or something. Yeah. Okay, so I think, have you got anything else that you would like to say with regards to the series as a whole? Um what? If you had to put your finger on it, yeah. what was the one part of this series you were dreading me experiencing? As a cynical outsider, you must have one mm. thing that you were truly worried about. The, the, I mean, I've got a few, I had a few, and right. more than one is the thing. So it's hard to nail it down to just one. I was worried about the first episode. I worried that you were immediately going to bail, like Plastic Mickey and the the bur- the yeah, bin, the bin burp. burp. I was worried about that going into episode one. After we cleared that hurdle, I was very worried about the Slovene two-parter. Okay. I was very gr- glad that you managed to see the good in that, and you didn't just see farting aliens and nothing else. And I was worried about the bad wolf thing. Right. Because 
from a certain angle, it is very unsatisfying. Yeah, but I think you would have had more to worry about if it wasn't resolved. Mm. You know, if they just said, yeah, bad wolf, tune in next time. (laughs) Yeah. But But no, they did make an effort to actually give it a a conclusive... Like I say, now that I know what it is, I want to know why it is. Yeah, and for that, I think you're just going to have to just have a think about it and see what fits yeah. in your head and this is again you, you've heard me use the phrase head cannon a few times yeah I'm gonna have it's, to just it's work part, it out myself it's part of the Doctor Who fans survival kit right head cannon just you sometimes you just have to fill in the blanks yourself or tip X out the bits that don't fit <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay um, so, so I think that's it for my questions I think we're we going to go through your Rank order of episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Have you got one uh, lined I, up I as well? But I'll tag in and out with my thoughts. Cool. Okay, so I'm going to treat uh, two parters as single stories. Yeah. I won't necessarily I always do this because there are some two parters coming up in the future where they the two parts stand alone to a larger extent. Um, but in this case, I think they are all pretty solidly linked, so yeah. it's hard to separate them. So, coming in at, uh, it'll be number 10, number 10, yes. So, number 10, Boomtown. I think I put Boomtown as my bottom one. Yeah. I just think... I mean, I enjoy it more than you. Yeah, it doesn't contribute much to these overarching arcs. The one big thing that it does do for setting up the finale is establishing the heart of the TARDIS. Yeah, but at the same time, it says things like the TARDIS needs to be fueled. Which I don't like. And we've addressed that that isn't always the case. Yeah. the case. Hasn't been historically. I think maybe it... I think there are... In the RTD era, I think it maybe crops up one or two other times. Mm. But beyond that, never. Yeah. It's just a bit of a nothing episode, isn't it? Yeah, it's it has, I think, a couple of really strong scenes in the middle. Is that um, the surfboard scene? That, yeah, that yeah of course. Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, it, for me, it's the restaurant scene and the way that it, it cuts between the, the scene with uh, Mickey and Rose outside, kind of figuring stuff out. And those are two quite intimate scenes. I think they have the the way that that, that it kind of explores the theme of second chances. I think is very poignant. But everything surrounding it to bring you to that point and, and also everything that they do to kind of make it a satisfying story pretty much fails. Right. So, yeah, not brilliantly fussed about Boomtown. Uh, my episode nine, The Long Game. Yeah. I just, just Adam's a prick. Adam's a prick. He makes it so hard to watch. Two great comic actors more or less wasted in minor roles. I would be very happy to see either Simon Pegg or Tamsin Greed come back and do another performance in Doctor Who, something a bit meatier maybe. But yeah, I mean it's fine, but it it's it. yeah. So if we ever mentioned the actor that plays uh, Adam, oh no, I don't think we brought this up. Grant um, Langley, yeah. yeah, he got done for uh, sexual offences. Yeah, bad egg. Yeah, not a nice fella. Not a nice fella. Anyway, um, I feel we're like <laughs> obligated to make that point. Yeah, I feel. Yeah. I feel so. You know, Public we, service we hate, announcements. We don't just hate <laughs> Adam as a character. 
We, we, hate, we hate old sex offenders. We do. We do. Um, so, at number eight, mm-hmm. I have The End of the World. Ah, see, I'd, I'd put that higher. Yeah. Simply because it's the first episode I'm, I've seen where that universe is expanded yeah. and a lot yeah. of key things are introduced. Yeah. I... And it does also have like an army of tiny blue children. Yeah. And, and that scene where the girls in the air vent getting killed mm-hmm. by there's a lot of spiders, but the budget doesn't cover the CGI. Yeah, so yeah. It's I, I think a lot of it is down to look. There's aspects of of that episode that I really love. I love all of the weird aliens and the practical effects yeah. and, and and costumes and makeup. Um, I think it's well placed within the episode. I think the 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 resolution of the plot is a bit too convoluted and stupid. I, I don't um, think we've yet. Worked our heads around <laughs> what Lady Cassandra's plan. Was. I don't think she has. To be fair, no. I mean she doesn't really have a head, so you maybe know, the, that's the, the issue. The listeners there. won't be able to see it, but <laughs> we've got a corkboard on the wall with loads of bits of string and newspaper cuttings yeah. trying to solve. We're what trying. That. Hopefully, by the time we sort of reach the end of series eleven of this uh, of, of Doctor Who, maybe we'll have finally cracked that particular yeah. uh, case. But anyway, um, so. Number, you see, the thing is, we started doing these numbers, and I've not actually written the numbers down, so I'm having right, to do mental number seven. Number seven. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Um, Aliens of London, World War Three. That's the Slovene two-parter. And as I, what can I say, which I haven't already said, basically, really, really strong elements, and really, really weak elements, yeah, and it's I just think, a bit too much of a mixed I, bag. I think the bad bits from Boomtown. Yeah are present in this episode, but to a lesser extent. Definitely. And I think the good bits are both more abundant and better. Yeah. So, um... Because, uh, I forget the lady's name, but in this two-parter we have the... Uh, oh, um... Future mayor, yes, uh, yeah. prime minister. Harriet somebody. Harriet Jones. That's the one. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I think Boomtown misses her. Yeah. The, the, there's we... not a great deal of progression in Boomtown. No. I think she's the best part of the two part. The only progression in Boomtown is perhaps Mickey. But Yeah. You know It's no it's, it's definitely it feels more like a filler episode Boomtown. Yeah. So so whereas I feel like Angel and World War Three, it's got something to say. I mean we had the whole discussion at the end that it's essentially uh satirizing uh the the, the uh build up to the Iraq one, invasion. One, one thing I don't think we really mentioned yeah. at the time. We talked about the Pigman alien. Yes, we did. And we just never really talked about how that just went nowhere. We sort of acknowledged there's a Pigman alien yeah. and then we go, Yep, yeah, the aliens made this as a ruse. Yes. But no one acknowledges how fucked up that is. Yeah, it really is fucked up. Yeah. It's uh uh, it's creepy stuff. Yeah. When you like, think about it. They just completely modify a pig into yeah. a little man. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Horrible. Anyway. So next episode... Um, number six. Number six. Yeah. Uh, Rose. The opener. The opener. I think it's... I think it's got many strong elements, but like mm. Aliens and Land of World War 3, it's also got some really, really daft bits yeah I, th- I think we romanticize that because it's the first one we sat down to talk about yeah so a lot of our sort of in jokes for the series <laughs> going forward were formed there yeah but would i watch it again probably not 
Yeah, I will many times over as I introduce more and more people. I'm hoping one day my little son will will want to sit down and watch Doctor Who. I mean, probably not. He'll probably have better things to do with this time. But in my head, there will come a time in a few years where we'll sit down together, watch Rose, and he at which at, by which point it will be what. 20, 25 years old yeah. or something, and he'll turn to me and say, Daddy, what is this appalling dreck? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> um, oh, that got real dark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Father's Day, on the subject of fatherhood. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, I don't want to reiterate it too much, but basically, it, it, my issue is it, it's great standalone piece of sci-fi not sure it's a good episode of doctor who see i i would demote that now that i've seen the full series and yeah. we addressed it at the time that yeah the, the key plot element just basically goes nowhere yeah it's of no importance know, you know if we take this series as one yeah. story arc now that i know it goes literally nowhere yeah i'd be you know i'd probably rank that lower I mean, yeah, I mean, it does have, it does pl- factor into the finale in the form of um, the scene with Jackie and Rose where Rose is telling her yeah. uh, that she saw Pete but, and, you know, all of that. But I sort of just meant the time dragons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Those really important time dragons. Yeah, they're, re- they're really not. They're really not. Okay, so um, next episode, this is number four, yeah. Uh, I've got Bad Wolf and Parting of the Ways, the finale. Uh, this would probably be my number one. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's good. I think it's a strong finale. I think it's um, it's certainly out. If we were to do a rankings of Doctor Who finales of, of the of the modern era, it's up there with the best of them. Mm-hmm. Having said that, there are certain individual episodes that I just enjoy more. I don't really have any major criticisms. Um, I always feel a bit iffy about the whole 2005 TV nostalgia thing. I wonder if they may perhaps linger on that a bit too long. Um, and and, and it, it definitely does place the episode in a particular date and time. I, I think it, but, at the time it would have applied to our age demographic at that time. Yeah. I don't think it would necessarily have applied to me. No. But now watching it retrospectively with nostalgia goggles yeah it really did yeah that's the thing and i think i i it, that it does have a lot a lot of impact like i've seen like forum threads with american teenagers discovering the show for the first time mm. and they are just absolutely baffled by that episode because yeah. they don't even know what big brother is necessarily let and, and like trini and Susanna, they don't have a yeah hope of getting that so he definitely dates the episode but then also one of the charming things about Doctor Who is that as much as it is timeless and constantly changing it in particular moments it is very much a product of its time yeah um, and I think we're seeing that at play here um, so we're in your top three now top three number three The Unquiet Dead shut up I love it not a chance <laughs> would this be in my top three I adore it I have I have no criticisms of the Unquiet Dead. I just I just can't warm to it. You, you're not alone. Very few people I think would put it in their top three. I think I am the outlier here. But the historical aspect works for me. 
Simon Callow as Charles Dickens just charms the pants off me every time. I just, I <laughs> just, I, I just, yeah, it just we, works we said for at the me. Time, I just can't put my finger on it. But yeah, just no. Okay, so my number two, Dalek. Uh, this you would see, be, this would be middle. Yeah, of the list for me. I think a lot of this depends on how much you give a shit about Daleks as yeah, a as I a think thing. The bit I liked was the introduction of the Dalek yeah. and their relationship with the Doctor. The bit yeah. I didn't like was literally everything else. <laughs> you see, I love all of it. I even love, though it doesn't work for everyone. I love Henry Van Staten. I love the broad ridiculousness of see, that character. Again, yeah, just the fact he's the owner of the internet. Yeah, it's an absurd caricature. It just, I mean, but I, I clock out. Yeah, but the thing is, I I think I have a bit more of affinity for the absurd than you. Maybe I really, I, I I love it when Doctor Who gets a bit daft every now and then. As long as it's good daft, and for me, Henry Van Staten, oh, secret owner of the internet, yeah. is good daft. So I enjoy that. Adam, we've established. Yeah, he's introduced. Yes. That's- have you got any uh, interesting information about uh, the, well, the, the, the actor? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. That, that's going to be the new bad wolf. But also things like the fact Van Staten has that absolute nobody yeah. assistant. Yeah. And then at the end, she's like the most important person in the episode. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not going to claim that Dalek is an episode without its flaws. What I will say is that those flaws are of no consequence to me. They do not hamper my enjoyment one iota. Every time I watch that episode, I am transfixed. I am fully engaged. And I'm loving pretty much every second of it. I would say, and I've mentioned it a couple of times, it did have the moment where I laughed most in the series. Yeah. Where the Dalek kills everybody, but then has to awkwardly (laughs) fall around them all because it can't just step over the body. Series highlight for you. Yeah, Yeah, possibly. And so, for those that have been paying attention, my number one, uh, The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances. That that would be up there for me. Yeah. If not, I, I would probably just give the finale a nod over this. Yeah, maybe. But, yeah, I, I would back you up on this. It's definitely it's... one of the ones at the end I, did, I wasn't filled with misery and dread. No, it's, it's... It just... For one, it has fantastic dialogue throughout which yeah. is one of Stephen Moffat's great strengths as a writer mm-hmm. um, it's you know it's it's witty it's engaging the horror moments really work well um, and the, 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 the mystery element keeps you guessing pretty much right to the end and it all just ties together nicely and it's just such a satisfying self-contained story. I think you could maybe, this is one of the few episodes in this series that you could potentially sit down a newcomer and say, look, you're not going to get every last detail, but just sit down and watch this. This is just a great 90 minutes of TV. I think one of the strengths of that episode is the character Nancy. Yeah. We've talked about secondary characters. I think she's probably the best of them. Would that be fair to say? Well, there's Clive. Let's not forget Clive. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a good one. But, you know, we have the the girl in episode two in the air duct. Yeah, I like she's her. She's a bit of a nobody. The girl in the Unquiet Dead. Mm, 
Yeah. Again, you know, she dies at the end, and she's not really that interesting, other than she can yeah. talk to ghosts. But no, Nancy's a very memorable um, character within it, and, and so central, obviously, to, to the resolution of the plot. Yeah. yeah, it's just such good, satisfying TV. And, of course, yeah. it introduces Jack. Yeah. And as the series went on, I was quite upset. Not upset. Yeah. But... Yeah, let's go with upset at the end that he's sort of left behind. And yeah, yeah, because he's he's become a real part of the team by that point. Yeah, and, and everything that you should dislike about him, John Barrowman's so charming that actually yeah. I really yeah. liked him. Absolutely, you know, if, if, if in 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 the hands of a less charming actor, uh, Jack would come across as a murderous sex pest. If if we went to the pub. <laughs> And you said, oh, I'm just bringing my friend from work along. Yeah. And it was Jack. I'd probably think, what a burk. Like, yeah. Where does this guy get off? Yeah. But actually, in the context of the show, yeah, it works brilliantly. It does, yeah. So, yeah, cracking two-parter. And so, yeah, so that's my my rankings of Series 1. And it's it's just it's a really strong series overall, I think. Like, there are, there are weaknesses, for sure. Yeah. But I don't... Full disclosure here, you may think we've we've hit on some rough episodes over the course of this series. We have not hit the lowest lows. Right. Uh, but conversely, I don't think we've hit the highest highs. Okay. I think there are some absolute blinders of episodes to come further down the line. Um, ones I'm so excited to talk about in two, three years' time. Right. <laughs> Excellent. But... Um, and sooner than that as well. Yeah. But there are some proper stinkers Great. <laughs> to look forward to. So excited yeah. for that. Ones that, that knock Boomtown into what, a cocktail. What will really annoy me <laughs> is if we watch an episode and there's some sort of time paradox. And they say, <laughs> oh no, whenever there's a pi- time paradox, the, the time trolls come and they just totally... <laughs> Dismiss time dragons and just, you know, oh dear, it's the time trolls. That is where, yeah, I will lose my. Yeah, shit. I, I understandably so. I think we're pretty much done. We've got a couple of little. We've both got a surprise for yeah, each other. So I was so. quite excited to tell you yeah. I had a surprise. Right. And you responded in kind. Yeah. That you have a surprise. And we're pretty sure they're not the same surprise. So who wants to go first? Um, Shall we rock, paper, scissors, or... I think it would make sense if maybe you go first. Okay. So, I'm just about to blow your mind. Okay. Okay. Because I'm going to introduce you to a Doctor Who adventure. I am 99% certain you have not experienced. Oh, okay. Right. Now, it stars the 10th Doctor... David Tennant. David Tennant. Yeah. Okay. Now the amazing thing is, yeah, it also stars you, David. What? Okay. <laughs> because I have brought the Decide Your Destiny book, <laughs> Do- Doctor Who Lost Luggage. <laughs> okay. So I thought what we would do oh. is just have our own Doctor Who adventure. Oh, fantastic. Okay. <laughs> so I'll narrate and. Perhaps do some voices, and if you just want to yeah. give me some choices, I will do. Up. I will do. Okay, so lost luggage. Mm-hmm. 
Hi everyone, um, just a little addition here because we did play a good way through the Decide Your Destiny Doctor Who adventure, but we've hit David's limit of tolerance for <laughs> Doctor Who. He's thoroughly, thoroughly not enjoyed the adventure. It was absolute torture. So we, we decided that me basically <laughs> reading a book to David wasn't going to make the final whilst, cut. Whilst he gets more and more annoyed and anxious. And, <laughs> so we, we've opted to cut that, but yeah. you just need to know it was awful. And maybe, we'll even... release, maybe we'll release it as like a bonus episode for those that want to hear the full unedited horror. Well, we actually stopped before we got to the end, so we'd have to start again. <laughs> Yeah, that's where we're at. All right. <laughs> what? Whoa. This is this is blowing my mind right now. Oh jeez, this is one of the worst written choose your own adventures. Which choice? do I make to make it stop? This is appalling! How should I know? Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, I mean, I hope you're enjoying this. Oh my God. Who could have seen that coming? That was excruciating. Yeah. <laughs> that was... But that, that's yours. You can take <laughs> that away. Doctor Who, decide your destiny. Lost luggage. Uh, now, the really good thing is... Uh-huh. Okay, I know we've got a lot of Doctor Who to get through. <laughs> On the back of the book, there's four more. Christ alive. That is... And when I checked yeah. the back of the book... There's actually 12 in total, so we can do one a series. <laughs> Good lord. That was excruciating. Yeah. Um, wow. That's, I mean, that's yours. You not, can take that away. Not you... only not only was that bad Doctor Who, that was a bad choose-your-own-adventure. You know what? I, I played that yeah. the day that it arrived, yeah. just to have a quick go. Yeah. And my story was far more engaging than that. Was it? Yeah. I had <laughs> I like pick all the worst mine things. Mine was like military and political <laughs> intrigue and yours was just a cleaner called Dave <laughs> asking what you were up to. And hitchhiking to Saturn. Yeah. Jesus. So you, Colin like, Brake. Fuck you, Colin Brake. I mean, I hope you were well paid for it, but you know, Jesus Christ, that is that is ungood, to say the least. Right, okay. Right. Now. Got time for my uh, for my little treat? Yep. I mean, unlike yours, mine's actually good, because it's more actual proper Doctor Who. Okay. So what we're going to do is hit pause on the record right now, and I'm going to pull up a mini-sode on YouTube called Born Again. Okay, so we've just watched the mini-sode... We have, yeah. Born Again, uh, a little mini-sode just created for uh, children in need, I believe, in okay. 2005. And is it 
Is it just simply to introduce the new Doctor? Yeah, it's just sort of bridging the gap between uh, the end of The Parting of the Ways and uh, the start of The Christmas Invasion. Okay. How... The Doctor's personality seems quite different in there. Yeah. He's quite manic compared to... Eccleston. Yeah, I mean, it's he does reference towards the end there that something's going a bit wrong there um, right. with his regeneration, and um, yeah, he starts to go like full on mad. You know, so I think, does you know, that crop up in the David Tennant era. You will just not quite wired right. You will see how it plays out in Christmas Invasion, but that does kind of you will see the the. A Christmas Invasion picks up uh, the moment that ends, basically. So when we get to it in a couple of weeks... Uh, um, I need to make a slight confession. Yeah. Uh, Have you already watched it? No. No? I I confuse children in need with comic relief. Oh, right. I was waiting for some sort of jokey (laughs) punchline. Yeah, it's not at all. When he was like, you know, oh, no, I'm in agony, and kept holding his face in his hands, I kept thinking... When his face reappeared, it was going to be like Mr. Bean. <laughs> yeah, no, no. This is this is ca- uh, effectively canon. This is just right. um, a a sort of little episode that bridges the gap between the two um, episodes. And yeah, basically, we've got we get a bit more explanation of um, regeneration. You know, he's he's explicit in saying same person, but just every cell has changed. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we do get a sense that even before he starts going manic, that he's not quite the same person. No. Um, I mean, the accents changed for one. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about the fact that uh, Tennant's not using his Scottish accent? Because of course he's a Scottish yeah, accent. Yeah, but he, it's very rare he does. Mm. I've not seen him in a lot where he does use it. No. Because obviously, a lot of it is for American audiences. Yeah. Yeah. Translate as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's it's tough though. That you think about the amount of lines you have to do, um, doing yeah. them all in a put-on accent. Like he's making a rod for his own back there in some ways, I think. But uh, you know, we'll see wh- as the series goes on whether he pulls it off. I, I did think as well. When is he just going to stop describing physical changes? <laughs> with, with Eccleston, it's just oh, my ears are a bit different. I look a bit funny. Yeah, with this it was like between my shoulder blades my teeth are different I'm yeah sideburns that be, bit went on a bit they I mean they had like an eight minute slot to fill and they had about I mean they shot this in like one afternoon it was yeah. it was just you know using the one set that they had and uh, whatever it was you know quickly done but I think it's it's nicely done I think it, it's it's not necessary maybe yeah. but I think it it does work nicely as a way of bridging the gap and, and when you go into um, Christmas Invasion you'll see that that whole aspect of his regeneration maybe um, going slightly awry is definitely a factor in that episode so yeah. would you say that was more enjoyable than the Decide Your Own Destiny <laughs> adventure well, I have watched that mini-sode about five or six times, right. at least. Um, I hope never to read that <laughs> book again. Great. I, I, I'm i going to set you at his homework. <laughs> oh, good Before God. we do our next recording, I just want a brief oh. plot summary of your adventures with the Doctor. Okay. I'll... Because I think I'm right in saying, if I just check the listing... 
Lost Luggage is actually book nine. Now, the only reason I got this one before any of the others uh -huh. is because it doesn't feature a assistant to the Doctor. Right. So, there's a new girl that must replace Billy Piper, but I was unaware of her. So. Yeah. So, I didn't opt for any with her. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll find out about her in due course. Yeah. Um, so. But anyway, well, he'll be yeah. meeting her. At the end of the next series. Oh, that's exciting! Yeah, I've got that to look forward to. Yeah. Um, I bet being hit by that bus is looking pretty appealing. <laughs> now, isn't it? it really is. So, um, this pretty much does it for our series wrap up. Next yeah. episode, I'm going to be making you watch a little bit of classic Doctor Who, yeah. which I'm very excited about. Now, I've made a choice about what we're going to watch and I feel like I need to justify it for the hardcore classic fans out there so they know my thinking behind it. So basically what I'm setting you is the first episode uh, of An Unearthly Child so the the, the very first broadcast episode yeah. of Doctor Who because I feel like we have to start at the very beginning um, and some would then argue well why don't you just do the, the next three parts and do the complete story and the answer to that is because they are absolute fucking dog shit right. and even I have my limits um, better or worse yeah. than lost luggage I I find it easy. I would find it easier to rewatch those episodes purely because I'm actually watching. It, it, I can feel the history of it. This is just you have no idea how this, happy I am. That yeah, I've managed to flip Doctor Who. <laughs> to, like, absolutely, you have destroyed. You have you have managed to find the the barrel scrapings <laughs> that truly broke me. Yeah. Um, but. I think I got that off Amazon <laughs> for about a penny. So if the listeners are interested are, in yeah. playing along, they can get their own copy. Yeah, you were ripped off, mate. <laughs> you were absolutely ripped off. Um, but anyway, so, so we're going to watch the first episode, but I wanted you to also experience a complete William Hartnell story. Right. Um, but then that limits us, because I didn't want to give you... I don't want to throw, like, seven episodes of, of classic Doctor Who at you or something, and, like make you watch all six parts of the Daleks on top of the first, because it's just too much. Mm -hmm. So that really limited my options to basically uh, The Edge of Destruction, which is a two-part uh, two part story set basically entirely inside the TARDIS, and it is a very strange... I, I liken it almost to a Samuel Beckett play. It is a strange two-part. Um, and I didn't think that really fit quite what I wanted to get out of this experience for you. So instead I opted for The Rescue. Okay. Which is a two-part story. Comes, I think, in the... Oh, is it the second or third series? Probably, no, it'll be the third series, I think. Um, and it introduces a new character, Vicky, that you'll get to meet. Um, so a, a, a fair chunk of time will have happened in between uh, the first episode you watch and the other two. But the other two at least will give you a complete story and a good sense of William Hartnell's era now once it's hit its stride. Um, and I think will give us enough to talk about to justify doing a full episode. So that's the plan for next episode. Yeah. Episode one of An Unearthly Child and both parts of The Rescue. Yes. And I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm unsure if I am. But <laughs> we'll get It'll be an interesting experience. But anyway, so I hope you'll join us for that. Um, uh, until then, thank you very much for listening. Um, 
and uh, cheerio. We'll see you for series two. You will indeed. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. Feel free to get in contact with us. Our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com. Alternatively, over Twitter, we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.